Welcome to Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros. Here you'll learn everything you need to know to be a successful real estate entrepreneur and achieve the financial freedom you've always wanted. There's no BS, no fluff, there's zero guru talk, just real real estate flipping knowledge. Here's your host, Greg Simpson. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Greg here, and I have an awesome guest for you, as usual today. I have Scott Bauer out of Scottsdale, Arizona. And before I get Scott really going here on the, the podcast, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about leveling up. And as you guys have, if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, I talk about how I spend a lot of money in education every year, uh, whether that's between uh, uh, going to actual courses like a Tony Robbins, which I just got back from, or going to, to other types of business mastery courses over the years. But one thing I want to talk about is masterminding. And that's exactly where I met today's guest, Scott, at. You guys know I'm a big believer in Investor Fuse and the CRM that they provide to our company and to a lot of uh, the guests that I bring on this show. And Dan Schwartz, who is episode, I believe he was uh, episode nine uh, of the podcast, came in and talked about Investor Fuse and building a business. And it was a really great podcast. And uh, Dan put together an uh, awesome mastermind out in San Diego a couple of months ago and really enjoyed it and it's all you know you can you can walk the walk and talk the talk all that fun stuff but until you're surrounding yourself with people like scott and like dan and like all the other guys that were there i'm hoping to get several more of those guys and gals that were there that weekend to come on the show and share their experience with leveling up and why it's so important in their business to take their business to the next the next level by working and, and talking to and masterminding with people that are doing bigger and better things that they are so Scott, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, I, I agree with what you said right now. You know, at the very beginning, with leveling up, super important part of part of the business. Yeah, guys. So Scott is primarily a wholesaler out of Scottsdale, Arizona, but Scott does quite a bit other thing of other things as well. But we're going to get to that a little bit later. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your personal life. Like, where are you from? Are you from Scottsdale? Married, kids, anything no. like that? Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually not from Arizona at all. I'm from Iowa. Spent the first uh, 25 years of my life in Iowa. Uh, grew up in and around the you know farm type of living and uh, in rural Midwest uh, United States. So started started at a very young age as an entrepreneur. Opened my or started my first company when I was just a junior in high school. It was a car detailing company based out of uh, Des Moines, Iowa. That uh, I was fortunate. My mom worked for a large uh, company called John Deere Financial. Uh, I'm sure many people out there know what John Deere tractors are, and this is the company that would finance all the tractors. So she was part of a large organization that had a lot of people, and I was able to utilize all those people to really start my first business. So from a very young age, like I said, junior in high school, as when I started my entrepreneurial path. And kind of that, that led me into meeting my first mentor because uh, I just detailed his cars and he worked, he was the president of a large logistics company based out of Iowa. And so I interned with that company while I was in college. And after I graduated from college, he said, you know what, we have pick where you want to go in the country and we'll go, you know, we'll make a position for you. So that's how I landed out in Arizona. And I did that. I worked for corporate America for about one, just a little over a year. And uh, just isn't it's just not not how I'm wired, not not my way of doing things. And so, cut that off and uh, dove into real estate full time. 
Okay, so how did you get introduced to real estate? So it's a funny, it's kind of a funny thing. I was dating a girl at the time that was in property management. She, she, we were talking about, you know, the struggles I was going with, with trying to figure out if I wanted to quit the job or what I was going to do. And she said, you know, why don't you go to real estate school and be a realtor? Because I mean, it's in sales and, you know, you like to talk to people. And so it might be a great fit. So I just looked at, uh, actually, there's a the school called the Arizona School of Real Estate and Business. I went on their website, read a couple things, and enlisted or signed up for the courses right then and there. And then uh, went to school at night for six weeks uh, for four hours uh, after work to get my real estate license. And then, you know, tried to do both for a month or so and realized that just didn't work. So September 15th of 2013, I quit my job full-time and just got into real estate full-time. Awesome. So how did you start off as a wholesaler? Or no, I'm, so I started, I started as, as an agent, right? Then did, how long did it take for you to kind of move into the wholesaling aspect then? Yeah. So I was an agent for about a year uh, with okay. Keller Williams Realty. And the reason why I was with them is because I had a great training program, but, and I actually did pretty well. I mean, I sold 2.2 million in sales my first, my first 12 months, which wow. Sounds great, but it's really not that much given okay. that, you know, you're only making three to 6% on your commission. So I think I only grossed like $42,000 that year, but, okay. um, you know, just realized that it was not what I wanted to do. I mean, I love talking to people, but being on the retail side of things, it just wasn't my cup of tea. So I joined the RIA. There's a local RIA uh, here in Scottsdale and Phoenix called Asbria. And um, join that and learn that there were other ways you can make money other than being a realtor. And so through that, I, I met my first real estate mentor, which his name is Dave Lindahl, who oh, okay. he just came and spoke. He just came and spoke at uh, one of the uh, one of the events that they had on, and I ended up hiring him as my coach to teach me how to syndicate apartment buildings, basically buying apartment buildings with other investors and sharing in the profits. And that was my intro into investment in real estate. Oh, wow. That's impressive. <laughs> so you, you kind of started off so, with the big boys, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just like, I might as well um, look and see. It made a lot of sense. He, you know, when he got up on stage, he said, if you have a house, one house, and you're renting it out, and that property goes vacant, you have nothing. But if you have a 100-unit apartment complex, and you're renting it out, and you have you know, one person that goes vacant, it doesn't really matter because you have economies of scale. Yeah. Not to mention you have all of these properties, so to speak, a hundred individual properties under one roof, meaning that you have one roof to take care of. You have, you know, everything in one location and it just made a lot of sense. So um, that's what I started, started doing. That's freaking awesome. So do you have uh, apartment buildings you still are a part of? Nope. Um, I'm out of the apartment game for now. We're, that's uh, part of what's going to happen going into 2018. Though I'm going to take a shift because what happened was uh, I actually met a guy through the Dave Lindahl program that was uh, had, had bought some apartments and him and I got together and we were like, apartments are great, but it takes some time to really buy apartments and to do quantity it, you know, it just takes time. And so we knew some people up in Salt Lake City, Utah, that at the time 
were wholesaling houses and they were bringing in like 90, a hundred grand a month. Whoa. And so we were like, okay, well, basically what happened was I, I went up to Salt Lake city and I watched exactly what they were doing. And then we came down here to Phoenix where it's a bigger market and we just implemented. So me and this partner worked together for about six months and then we went our separate ways. And that's when I just started blowing my wholesale business up. Okay. So tell us about that, your first wholesale deal. How did you find it? So right from the very beginning, like I had, like I said, I worked with a partner uh, for the first six months that we were wholesaling. Basically the agreement was he would front all the money to send out the marketing every, every week and I would do everything else. <laughs> so okay. he would cut the check and we'd drop 5,000 mail pieces every single week. And then I would, I would take all the phone calls. I would go on all the appointments. I would comp all the properties, block up all the properties under contract, and then ultimately sell all the properties to the, all the buyers. And what happened was my, so our agreement was I would make 13% of the gross number that we would make per deal, which isn't, I mean, it was just chump change for all the work that I was doing. So yeah, that's, that's why it only lasted that for six months, <laughs> yeah. right? So, <laughs> you know, it just was actually, I was buying a house for me to live in. And the day before, let's see, this would have been July of 2015. Yeah, 2015. He made like $90,000 and I made like $7,500, but I did everything to make those deals go through. So it was, um, yeah, that that was a, that was a turning point for me at that point. I just said, Hey, you know what, this is going to work. You know, I got to go my own way. And so Mm -hmm. that was really a blessing in disguise. Yeah. I mean, I've heard stories of something similar to that, Scott, and it never seems to work out that way. Even on the ones that are 50, 50 that I've seen that people like, you know, Someone puts up all the marketing and then you split the deals 50-50. But the problem is, is that that 50% is still really not enough for all the work you do, in my opinion. Uh, So we don't have it structured that way. I've never really done it that way um, because I've seen so many people in our market fail at that. So that's just part of the learning business, right? That's just part of the the growing pains of learning how to run a successful wholesale business. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So tell us about that first deal, though. so the first deal, so anyways, what happened was after, after we'd already been sending out 5,000 mail pieces every single week, he was paying for it. So, you know, I, uh, pretty much that was the only thing that I knew how to do. So right when we broke away, I grabbed 10,000 names and I just dropped 10,000, uh, mail pieces over a month, I guess every other week I dropped 5,000 pieces and just got the phone to start ringing. So it really wasn't anything new at this point. It was just, it felt very good because it was on my own. So, you know, I guess I was kind of lucky that I already knew how the process worked. So, you know, I sent out the mail, the phone calls started coming to me and I just, yeah, I did, I did what I already knew how to do, which was go lock up the property and then turn around and sell it. So, um, and matter of fact, I saved the check that I got for my first, for my first deal that I did on my own. And I framed it and I keep it up in my office because it's a good reminder to me that every single time that things get tough and things don't go my way or things don't go, you know, uh, how you think they're going to, that you just got to sit back and relax and follow the process because it does work. 
So was that deal like a, was it a probate deal? Was it uh, just an absentee owner? Kind of walk us through like the, the actual deal itself, like the mechanics of it. Yep. So the mechanics of it was, it was not, it, it was just a distressed property with high equity. Um, it was a high equity, uh, meaning it had 75 to a hundred percent in equity. And the people that owned the property were, were moving. They owned it for a long time. It had some deferred maintenance. They didn't want to fix anything up prior to try to list it. So it ended up being a win-win for both of us. I think I bought it for one twenty two five, and we ended up selling it on a wholesale basis for one thirty five. Sweet, that's not a bad day. <laughs> it wasn't a bad day, no, not at all. Now, um, at the time, because there's always a catch, right? Sure. At the time, I didn't necessarily have all the buyers set before me because the guy that I was working with prior to this. Basically, I couldn't take any of the information that I had that I already developed with him. I had to go and find my own. I had to go find new. So, you know, to say it lightly, he wasn't very happy that I was leaving, that I was going off on my own. Uh, actually, he wasn't happy at all. I mean, if I put myself in his shoes, if I had somebody that was making me 90 grand a month, I probably wouldn't be happy either. <laughs> right? But so, you know, I had to go find my own and ended up going through another mass you know pretty good sized wholesaler that was here in the phoenix area and so him and i split the deal so he he pretty much brought the buyer to me and then we split the deal yep that's a great i'm going to pause you for a second there scott i'm going to tell you guys you know everybody this i'm probably i probably have said this on the podcast and previous episodes before but guys listen to me right now and scott just just nailed it we teach a wholesale class here for tv Bria, and everybody gets Every time, everybody gets hung up, well, I don't have enough buyers. I don't have buyers. So if I get a deal, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Guys, there's RIAs in every major metropolitan area in the area, in your area, I should say. Go to your RIA. Go network with other wholesalers. They have the buyers. Bring the deal, and the good wholesalers can move your deal until you can build your own buyers list, and then you can take all the money. When you're first getting started, do not get hung up on the fact that you may not have all of those cash buyers at your fingertips yet. Go network with people at your RIA. They can help you move your deal. We do that all the time. Almost, I would say 50% of my deals, Scott, come from people that have the deal locked up and I go uh, sell it to my cash buyers list. It's, it's yeah. just that simple. And so don't get hung up, guys, on the fact that you don't have your buyers list. That don't let that get in the way of you taking action, going up there and locking up properties under contract to sell those, sell those contracts to other wholesalers as well. Well, and you know, I think it's also an important thing to, to point out here is that it can be a very useful tool for you even once you become experienced. And I say that because now I have quite an extensive buyers list myself, yet I still rely on, I mean, I'm gonna call him my partner, even though we're not formal partners. Basically, I have a disposition leg of my company that handles basically once we acquire property, I pass it off. And now all of okay. a sudden I'm out of the I'm out of the deal and I let my disposition side sell it. And then um, you know, with that, we have our split where pretty much I'll take three thousand dollars off the top for my cost to acquire that to the, acquire that lead. Sure. And we'll split the difference. Okay. Uh fifty five, forty five. That's a good idea. 55 going to me, 45 to them. Yeah, okay. because then it really it's a it's a win for both of us because they're getting a deal obviously that that they wouldn't have otherwise had, and I can 
pass it off and know that it's going to get sold and still then go work on the next deal and go acquire the next deal. Yep. So, you know, there's enough deals to go around across this entire country. I mean, we have a just a plethora of, of deals everywhere. And in any market, I'm in Arizona, one of the, if not the hottest, you know, area to buy, to buy real estate. I mean, it just, it always is. And so there's a ton of competition here, yet there are still tons of deals. And there are tons of buyers out there that are looking for these deals. So those of you out there that get a deal and you, you don't know where you're going to sell it, go partner up. I mean, you may, Greg made a really good point. Go partner up with somebody that does have the buyers because you're going to build those relationships and you're going to end up selling and doing more deals and make more money. Yep. The last thing you guys want to do is not network with somebody, not find that other wholesaler that can bring you the buyer than to try and do it all yourself. And then at the end of your your contract period, you don't have the buyer and then you look like the asshole. And then you just screwed yourself out of money because you didn't go work with somebody else that could help you make that make that money. So I, I get really frustrated when people tell me that they can't, that they're afraid uh, to take action because they don't have the buyer's list. Don't do it. I don't want to hear that excuse. If you, if you jump on the Facebook group and you tell me that, I'm going to I want to jump through the screen and strangle you. So <laughs> now, right. you know, I, I can understand. I mean, I can understand though. You know, I can understand oh, yeah. where you might get a little bit scared, you know, as somebody, you don't want to lock something up under contract where you have a, an inspection period or, you know, you have earnest money at stake. You don't have a buyer, but have confidence in the process, especially if they're connected with you, Greg, then that means that they're in, you know, they're in good hands. Right. That's what I mean. Like there's plenty of other guys around town here that, that I would even say, Hey, I don't have a buyer for that, but Hey, um, you know, Joe Evans, he might have a deal or buyer for that, or this person might have a buyer for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's all about, you know, helping each other out too. And that's, that's kind of the culture that we create around our, our businesses. So yeah, it's just take action guys. And then it'll all fall. Just follow the process. Like Scott said. Yep. Yeah. So Scott, tell us, um, you know, that you're doing, you know, you're kicking ass on your own. Uh, what was the, what would you say was the turning point in your business that kind of catapulted you to where you are now? Um, so uh, you know the big the biggest the biggest catapult for me because everybody is always worried about the money. <clears throat> They're always worried about that they don't have enough money. Oh, I don't have enough money for marketing, or I don't have enough money. And the turning point for me was actually I I took and I maxed out ten credit cards wow. <laughs> to start and fuel my business. So this is a risky move, some would say. But it was really a smart move because I partnered up with a company that knew how to utilize these credit cards to take all of the money out of off of the credit cards and put them into your uh, business checking account to be used as business capital. And with doing this, you had I had basically 12 to 18 to even 21 months for one of the cards of zero percent, um, you know, interest-free right. money. So I could use this money for an entire year without paying any interest on it. So why would I not do this? And that was really the catapult for me because at this point, once I maxed these cards out, uh, pretty much it was, it was 90, 90% of the max of those cards. And I put $90,000 in just freestanding cash into my checking account that I could use for the business. And that allowed me to really ramp up marketing and ultimately for a wholesale business, or really any sort of business at all, it's all about the marketing that you do. It's all about getting in front of people. And if you don't have leads coming in, then you don't have a business. You're not doing deals, you don't have a business. So that was a turning point for me because now all of a sudden I had capital where I could afford 
to go out there and, uh, and market for deals. And so that's exactly what I did. That's awesome, dude. That's interesting. I'd like to maybe pick your brain off, off a podcast about that. But uh, so let's talk a little about marketing. Obviously, if you have no marketing, no leads are coming in, no leads are coming in. It means you're, you know, you're not going on appointments, you're not writing contracts, you're not getting deals closed. So as of right now, Scott, what would you say is your best marketing avenue? Is it direct mail? Is it uh, skip tracing? Is it driving for dollars? You know, what, what's, your, what's your best uh, marketing avenue right now? Yeah, so I've, I've, I mean, I've done a little bit of everything at this point. I've done a ton of direct mail. I've done bandit signs. I've done, I'm still doing online, uh, have an online presence with mm-hmm. Google AdWords, Facebook, Bing. The on, you know, I have, I've, I've kind of dabbled in every different marketing channel there, that there is. However, what I've found, especially, I mean, for me, is that direct mail works. It's old school. And, I think people enjoy to feel something. They get something in the mail. It's a, like I said, it's old school. They open something up. And the other benefit with that is that if somebody, you know that if somebody gets in, um, gets a letter in the mail, they open up the letter, they read the letter, and then they pick up the phone and they call you, think about that. I mean, think about the last time that you did that, right? I mean, think about the last time you got a letter in the mail and you actually opened it up and you read the whole thing and then you picked up the phone and you called. I mean, that never, never happens, right? Never. So you know <laughs> never. When, right? So, so, but you know that when somebody calls you, they have motivation to sell. So now all of a sudden, if you just know that, you know, there is motivation there, now all of a sudden it's a people thing. You want to you understand who they are as a person, understand where their pain points are, and then you can... I mean, you can service those pain points, and then ultimately, it could be a win-win uh, situation for both people. And I mean, it's just it's a fantastic thing. So, to answer your question, direct mail is is, is my is my bread and butter. I love it, and I, I'm gonna continue doing it until it stops. Good stuff, man. Couldn't uh, agree with you more there. So, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about investor fuse. I'm a big fan. I, I, I'm assuming you are too. Are you in event the mastermind? How how have you used InvestorFuse to kind of set up your business as a system, like a uh, something that's um, scalable? Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I'm I'm all about InvestorFuse. Matter of fact, uh, I think I was the I think I was the very first user. Dan and I, I was were second, right behind you. That's right. Yep, yeah. you were number one, yeah. and I was number two. Yeah. That's funny. And so, um, I mean, it's just it's a game changer, really, because it now. Um, well, I guess backing up before InvestorFuse, there was a, a software called Real Automation Biz, which was basically the platform InvestorFuse is, is based off of. Mm-hmm. But the problem was is that there was too many third parties involved, and so we had a lot of just a lot of moving parts with different third party like companies that were attached to Podio that you would have issues with. Yep. And so when Dan invented InvestorFuse, now all of a sudden all these third party issues went away. And it made one program with one, um, I mean, it basically just has everything's in, uh, encapsulated under one organization, so to speak. And so now you can organize all of your leads, put them all in one spot, watch everything that's going on with those leads, automatic follow-up sequences with those leads. You know, you can send contracts, you can uh, assign tasks to different team members. I mean, there's just a lot of capability that InvestorFuse offers for you as a business owner. And it's one of the things that I think a lot of real estate people get lost in is all the minutia of all the leads that come in and they get leads that get lost. So now all of a sudden, if you're working on like a, a, you know, a different CRM, maybe it doesn't organize the leads correctly and you end up losing some of these leads. 
And I know that with Investor Fuse, Dan put a big emphasis on what we, I mean, we'll call it what it is, no lead left behind. Basically, yep. we don't want any leads that are going to come into the pipeline or come into the business ever get lost. And so, um, you know, Industrial Fuse has, has, uh, has really helped that. Now, it's not perfect, but I think we're with some work and some things here in the very, very near future that are going to be popping up, these issues are going to get solved. So that, that won't, I mean, that won't even, there's going to be no way that any, any lead that comes into your system can get lost. So I'm really excited about that. But it's just been, I mean, it's been a game changer for, for me and for my business, for sure. Same here, man. I couldn't, I mean, you literally hit every nail on the head perfectly with all the stuff that Investor Fuse does. And guys, if you are, I don't, this is not, Investor Fuse is not for newbies. So if you do not have leads coming in on a regular basis, do not go out and spend the 200 bucks a month that Investor Fuse costs, guys. Just don't do it. Wait until you've got your mail pieces dropping and you've got, you know, 10, 10 leads plus coming in every single week that you need to be able to manage. But as a reminder, if you are ready to take the next step and buy into a really awesome CRM, I can't recommend anything else other than InvestorFuse because I've been using since literally, I don't know, what's it been like two years now, Scott, since uh, Dan launched it? Yeah. Something like that? Uh, I think, yeah, it's coming up on it's something been about, like that. Yeah. And um, if you guys are ready to do it, go to InvestorFuse.com and in the checkout, there's a coupon code for the Alliance. It's uh, Alliance and you get, I think, 10% off every single month. Uh you know, so we're very appreciative that Dan has done that for, for our uh, podcast listeners. So, um, yeah, awesome. Thanks for that, Scott. I really, really love giving Dan, you know, props for, for what he's done to help me grow my business. And just, you know, all the articles that he publishes and, and stuff like that are also, you know, super game changer stuff that he, he uh, puts out on his blog. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, he's all about the user. He wants to make every user out there try to automate their business to, to remove themselves out of working in it instead of working on it. Because yeah. all of us, I think everybody who's ever invented, you know, or started any sort of company at all has, a, has an issue with, you know, stopping working in their business instead of on it. And Dan's trying to bridge that gap and try to help people as much as he can, which is great. Yeah. That's, that was, I would say with that is what I, I think Dan was probably the one that did start me on the 80, 20 rule. And um, it's really hammered that home to me over the years that I've known him. And it's funny, like uh, other business coaches that I have, have really harped on that too. So it, he was just like the first one that kind of introduced me to it. And so that's helped me a lot in my business because it's literally changed my mindset of how to not do the work inside the business. Like, I mean, I haven't met with the seller in, in, a, in quite a while uh, or buyers, to be honest with you. I'm more focused on the business instead of in the business and I built my team around it, but it wouldn't for Dan and his, his guidance on that. I don't think I'd be where I'm at in that respect. So. Yep. Absolutely. So Scott, tell us a little bit about the craziest, weirdest deal you've ever done. <laughs> well, you know, there's a few of them really <laughs> now. Um, We've done over 120 deals in the last 24 months, which has been really, really good. And, you know, the unfortunate part is sometimes things don't go as you necessarily like them to do or like them to. And so I'll give you one example of, of a property that I'm actually in litigation. I had to sue the oh. seller, which I hate oh. to do that. We did everything we possibly could to avoid doing that, but he just would not cooperate with us. And basically what happened was we negotiated a price and... Uh, this was back in September, no, October of 2016. 
And in October, we signed it. We signed a deal, um, or we talked on the phone, negotiated everything, and then all of a sudden, um, went to his property and he got cold feet. Didn't want to sign it. So I said, "Fine, you know, no problem." But maybe three weeks later, he called back and said, "Hey, you know, I'm ready to do this. I have to do. Uh, he needed to move out. Um, he wasn't going to be able to afford the house or something like that." And so he said, "You know, let's let's go ahead and do this deal." So I said, "Great." Went over. We executed the contract. We're going to close in three weeks. Three weeks comes by, or I'm sorry, I got to back that up. He also said, I need, I need some money to move out. So he's like, I need, you know, $5,000. I got to get a, I got to get a trailer. I got to get a moving, you know, moving trailer. I got to put a deposit down on an apartment. You know, he's like, can, you know, can you, can you loan me $5,000? I said, sure. You know, I'll do that for you. So I cut him a check for $5,000, made him sign a deed of trust against that $5,000. Mm-hmm. And you know, the three weeks come, comes by and we're supposed to go to go to the closing table and he just doesn't show up, oh, doesn't show up, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do anything. And, you know, I get a phone call from him. He said, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to sell. And basically took my $5,000, put it in his pocket, didn't want to sign the paperwork and didn't want to answer the door. So we went, you know, basically I, 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 uh, did everything that I could to try to get him to, to reason with him. Um, he even got an attorney and his attorney was actually on our side, but <laughs> couldn't talk him into it. Couldn't talk him into being reasonable. And here we're over 12 months later. And, uh, it's just now actually on the sixth, which is, what is that today? Tomorrow. So tomorrow. Um, we have our judgment hearing. So he mm-hmm. finally, he has not, he never ended up signing the paperwork. He's been living in the house, you know, basically for free for the entire year. Wow. And we're finally going to get the property, finally. But that's been the craziest deal that I've had to go through, and there's a lot more that goes into that deal. I'm sure but it. it would take a long time to explain all of it. Yeah, we only have a few <laughs> yeah. more minutes left on this podcast. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> one. I've never had to sue either. I, You know, I'll, I'll do this, though. I, I, this is kind of um, – I'm sure you've learned that lesson about giving them the money. What I've done – I don't know if you've done it since uh, what I do is I always just do an escrow holdback of what I kind of feel the seller out and I give them like three yep. days after the closing to move out so that they can take a majority of that chunk of money that they would be getting from the closing. I hold back about five grand, maybe 10, depending on how big the deal is. And then I verify that they have moved out and they they're gone. And then I'll release that real, that last bit of money back to them from the title company. I won't ever give somebody money up front. That's just that's just like a non-negotiable for me. You sign the paperwork, you close, and then we'll talk about giving you giving you that money to, to move out. So that's just my two cents. Yeah, I mean, and, and now now after the fact, yeah, I would never I would never do that again because uh, ultimately I'm I, I've been out that five thousand mm-hmm. dollars and uh, I'll get it back. But sure, you know, it's one of the things that uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was out of it for for. Uh, quite a long time. And so, yeah. yeah, I would do the same thing. Escrow hold back. Um, you know, that's, that's a win-win for everybody that way as well. So yeah, I'll probably do another, I'll do a whole episode on, on how the mechanism of that works at a later date, guys. So just stay, stay tuned for, for the escrow hold back podcast. I'll make that one of my topic based ones. Um, and why we have to do that sometimes. <clears throat> All right, Scott, so that, that is a pretty cra- crazy deal. Um, so what's, what would you say the, what is the one thing that you wish or the one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you first started a couple of years ago? Um, you know, I think that it just comes down to, 
I, I knew it. I knew it then. Um, but I, it's hard. Anybody that's doing something new, it's hard to just dive into it blindly and just have complete faith. But um, like I said earlier in the podcast, this is this wholesale model, fix and flip, real estate in general. It works. It's not new. Uh, everything imaginable has been done and has somebody out there has done it before us. And so don't try to reinvent the wheel, but find, you know, find a mentor, find somebody that is doing what you want to do and copy what they're doing because you don't have to go out and reinvent the wheel. But if you want to be successful at real estate, there's a ton of money to be made and you can do it ethically and you can do it morally and you can do it uh, in a way that, you know, it's just very profitable for you and you don't have to go and reinvent a new way to do it. And so have faith in it and, um, and just follow the system. And I mean, you will see success 100%. Bam. I mean, that's, that's the best advice you guys. I mean, seriously, it's funny. I was just meeting with a pretty high level player here in Tampa a couple hours ago. And he talked about how he built his business. And then he went and talked to somebody really, really big in the, uh, uh, real estate world, actually huge. And he found out that this was already being done by people all across the country, but he just didn't realize it. It's not, he's like, he thought he invented it. And then come to find out he didn't, it was not something new, but so that's what, that's, that's a perfect example that this stuff's been around forever and it's never going to go away. So just find your niche also and, and kind of go with it all in, whether that's wholesaling, fix and flip, uh, lease options, whatever that might be. It's all out there for the taking. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's, uh, you know, the other thing is just don't, don't give up when times get tough. Yep. Don't stop. You know, when times, times are, are, uh, yeah, when times are rough, don't stop, you know, keep going, look at the big picture and, and, you know, you will succeed. Like I said, exactly. Good stuff, man. Um, so before I let you go, Scott, are you a book guy? I'm a huge book guy. Okay. I mean, so give, me, give me your favorite book. Um, it could be real estate or not, you know, it could be sales. It could be whatever you want. Uh, and then, uh, tell oh, me your favorite book. I know it's a tough one. It's a tough question, but, and then uh, what, what book are you currently reading? Well, so it's actually, it's not a tough, it's not a tough question at all. I mean, my hands down favorite book is think and grow rich. I've, okay. I try to read that book one time a year. I've read it, uh, every, every year for the last five years and it continues to teach me something new every single time, uh, that, that I read it. I'm reading currently a book called Pitch This, about pitching your investors and just how to how to how to influence people. Um, that's another good book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's another great one to read. Great book. And uh, I'm sorry, it's not Pitch This. It's called Pitch Anything. I think. Oh yeah, okay. okay. I just started it this morning. Awesome. Um, but it's it's you know a really really good one. Um, I just got done yesterday reading a book called Un, and excuse my language here, but this is what it is. It's called Unfuck Yourself. <laughs> and um, uh, I've heard of that one. I haven't read that about, one though. Yeah, I actually just uh, I I picked it up from the airport on uh, Thanksgiving, going back to uh, Chicago for Thanksgiving, and I, uh, you know, I, I read it, and it's a, fa- a fantastic book. I, I definitely recommend it. It's about getting out of your own way. Yeah, um, a lot great. of people get stuck in their head, and it's uh, you know, it's just uh, it's a really really good one. Have you, you read know, the, another the, one that uh, kind of goes right? Or, no, go for it. What were you okay, say? yeah. The other one that's probably along the same lines of that is the subtle art of not giving a fuck. That's another good yep. one I like that. I read that one earlier as well. <laughs> yeah, that's yep. good too. Yep. Yep. 
Um, you know, there's, I, I just think in, in, in personal growth is the best gift that you can give to anybody is to, to grow yourself and yeah. to learn and continue to keep learning. So I mean, I'm always reading a book at any given time. You know, you'll, you'll find me, I'm reading something. I try to read, you know, a book every other week or so, you know, depending on how long they are, but you know, um, it just you're, if you just continuously keep learning, then you're you're never you're just going to keep growing. Absolutely, so it's the best way to go. Hey guys, don't forget that I have my recommended reading list, which I most a lot of those books that Scott just mentioned are on that. It's on flippingrealestatelikethepros.com/resources. So go ahead and check those out. I got my recommended reading all right there for you to go check it out, and links to Amazon to buy them if you don't have them already. So Scott, last question before I get you out of here: What has real estate done for you? Like, what has it allowed you to do? <laughs> oh, gosh, what has it not allowed me to do? <laughs> I mean, really, real estate has, has changed my life in, in ways I never thought it would. And it's just really the beginning because, you know, the freedom that I have, the ability to travel, you know, the ability to, to, to really to give back. So right now we're in the, the holiday season. Uh, what I did last year and what I'm going to do again this year is actually go to like Toys R, either Toys R Us or Babies R Us and find people or property or uh, gifts that are on layaway as we get closer to the Christmas time and go and pay those layaways off. I think last year I spent like 2,500 bucks and this year I'm going to spend maybe like $5,000 trying awesome. to pay off as many of these as I possibly can. And I never would have ever had that ability had I still continued to work a W2 you know, job or whatever, because that's a lot of money. But uh, now we have a lot more cash flow that comes in. So it's, it gives me, it's given me that ability to do that. And so that's something that I'm super grateful for and super happy that I'm able to do that and going to mm -hmm. continue doing that as long as I can. Dude, that's awesome. That's great stuff. So, you know, with that, I, I, I can't top that. I don't think you can top that. So thanks again, Scott, for coming out today and shared, uh, sharing your story and sharing how real estate has impacted your life. Absolutely, man. I appreciate being on the show. Thanks, Scott. You've just listened to another flipping real estate like the pros podcast. You're another step closer to fulfilling your dreams as a successful real estate entrepreneur. We'd like to thank you for putting your trust in us to be your guide into this exciting venture called real estate investing. For more information, visit our website at www.flippingrealestatelikethepros.com. Catch you on the flip side, Alliance.